This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we're refining and redefining the sales game. Today, we have one of my personally favorite people in the insurance industry, Mr. Doug Benz. For those of you watching on video, don't worry. He's not running for office. This guy is just old school and still believes you should wear a shirt and tie to take a man or a lady's money when you cut a deal, and I'm right there with him. Pleasure to have you on, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you here in another week and a half. I know that half of that smile that you've got right now is knowing you're going to be in Key West in about nine days. <laughs> oh, man, I'm counting it there now. You cannot wait. But uh, David and Kyle, it's really nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, Thank man. So why don't on. you... Yeah, why don't you um, why don't you take a little bit and sort of give your backstory, Doug, and tell people how you got to where you're at at New Buffalo now, and then I've got some pretty specific stuff that I want to talk about because you have had a lot of success moving into the middle market pretty quick, and you know I think that a lot of people can learn from that, and uh, I don't want to dive in yet, so just sort of talk about your experience in the industry, how you got to where you're at. Doug's got six kids. I do. Okay. It's five more than me. I do. <laughs> He's got two more than me. I feel They're like I have six boat. sometimes. <laughs> and I That's can't impressive. even imagine. Nice work. Hey, thanks. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't do it alone. But, uh, Listen, let me tell you, before we get started, I have to tell you a story. We were in Boston. Doug Doug was at that mastermind that I was at with uh, Chris Paradiso yep. and Scott and Bradley and all of them. Right. And... I felt bad for him because I know like this guy, he's like me, whatever, you know, his kids are doing, he's in it, right? He's a hundred percent on board. And his son had his first football game that night. The one of the nights we were there and Doug wasn't able to be there. That sucks. Um, Yeah. But it was like last minute rescheduled because of COVID. So it was kind of one of those funny things. I was supposed to be there the week earlier, and then mm-hmm. everything was kind of last minute. So Thrown off, yeah. So his son absolutely dominated, like dominated. And Doug is running around like with his phone showing everybody this kid's moves as he's scoring. What do you, He had like four touchdowns and some ridiculous amount of tackles. You know, he never – yeah, right. He played both sides of the ball, nose tackle and fullback. He'd never played before, you know, in any kind of organized football team, at least. And um, I ended up scoring more than half the team's touchdowns for the, for the whole season. That's legit. For, yeah, uh, he, was, he was doing all right. So Fullback so Doug, is a lost like, art, man. Hey, so Doug's, Doug's like talking about it. And he's like, and he got, an, he got a penalty for excessive celebration. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to go, you got a penalty for excessive celebration. Yeah. Put the phone away, man. He's showing everybody <laughs> in awesome. the lobby. Everybody that would look at Doug's phone, man. It was awesome to see how happy he was and sad at the same time. I felt bad that he wasn't yeah. there to see it, but uh, it was cool to see that that he was so excited about all of that. And that's one of my one of my favorite memories about Doug. Yeah, that nice. was a good trip, and uh, I got to see him the few the, the the next few weeks. So it worked out okay. I. I uh, I got to be there for the rest of the games, but um, yeah, it's fun to cheer on your kids and celebrate their uh, successes, right? Dude, Nash Absolutely. is at swim lessons right now, and he's an absolute maniac in there. Like he he does this thing where he gets so my my son's a year old, and he's in uh, you know swimming lessons, and it's he's been like four or five times, 
And so, and he loves it. And he, like when he gets really excited, he like puts his hand in his mouth. <laughs> so like, so like she'll be going to dunk him under the water, and he'll be like, and like jam his hand in his mouth. I'm like, it's like Doctor Evil. <laughs> yeah, he comes up and he's like, you know, water all coming out of every you know part of his face. It's pretty funny. Kyle, is that where they kind of teach like the, like a like the kid to, like a kid to float? It's like basically survival. It's like yeah, yeah it's like all right, by accident or something. They know how to kind of bob up and float <laughs> on the back. Yeah, like, like those ridiculous YouTube videos. Grab the wall. That's like the chant that they say in the state. It's it's ridiculous. Like I'm sitting there laughing my ass off the whole time. But it's That's I mean, yeah. So anyway, well, it's vital. It's vital down here where there's so many pools, man. Right. So many pools. Yeah. Right. 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 Definitely. Yeah. All right, Doug. So what, t- it, tell anyways. us your story, man. <laughs> tell us, yeah. the, the the ninety second version, I guess, of my story. I'll try to keep it keep it quick. But I was ten years ago, or I guess uh, about eleven years ago now. I got into this business, and um, I I was thirty, and I had a nice run as a, as a newspaper and magazine photographer, like David was saying. I got to do some really cool stuff, go to the Olympics and the Super Bowl and photograph the president, all the good stuff. But, uh, you know, print media had its challenges and with the family, it was just, I I kind of felt like I hit the mountaintop and was ready for something else. And, you know, I knew some people in this business and I was just intrigued by like, it seems great. It's a residual, um, a residual biz. You know, you get a client and you can kind of keep servicing them and, and being paid each year at renewal. So, I went out and got a license, and I started talking to some folks in town here in Buffalo and said, hey, you know, I'm basically willing to come and just sort of dial for dollars, you know, on commission. And I found I found a shop out in um, Williamsville, New York, and they said, come on in. And those guys trained me and got me up and running. And um, about four years later, around 2013, one of the guys said, hey, I got a vacation house down in Naples, and... Um, you know, I'd like to get an operation going down there. Would you help? So I ended up moving down there with the fam and um, and got this place off the ground. I was there about three and a half years, and um, it was a really great experience. We loved it down there, but sort of thinking what's next, you know, at that time. And I had, I had this whole book of business that was sort of parked here in Buffalo that I was managing remotely. I'd come up here occasionally at a renewal time and go see somebody, but I was mostly on autopilot. And I thought, eh, you know... Sooner or later, some of these accounts, somebody's going to wander in there, and they're going to say, you know, my guy's like 1,500 miles away. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I was like, either seize it or let it die in the vine or whatever. So I kind of hatched this crazy idea to come back to Buffalo and um, and get an office. And, uh, you know, the appointments is always the big question mark, right? So I kind of thought, hey, having had a lot of trouble getting appointments down in Naples, I thought, I bet it might be a little easier in Buffalo. It's, you know, we don't have some of the factors that you have in South Florida, like weather and, and fraud to some extent up here. And, uh, and there's not as many newcomers as there are in Florida doing just about everything. So I thought, I'm going to roll the dice and go up there and just see if I can leverage this book to get some appointments. And the rest is kind of history. It really worked out. It couldn't have come together better. We were down to the wire on some big renewals that uh, I was trying to move over here. Um, around April of 17, it was it was about four months after we started. We started trying to get appointments, and like March 31st, Merchants Mutual called us. We had some big contractors, and they said, "Here's your code, here's your login," and we just started binding like crazy. We had a 411 that was one of our biggest clients, and uh, um, and we just started charging hard from there. For sure. You know, it's interesting, man, based on what you said about how the concern was that somebody might come in and say, well, my guy's only 15 minutes away, you know, you're, or I'm only 15 minutes away, your guy's 1,500 miles away. I think COVID changed that game completely. I don't even think mm-hmm. that's relevant anymore, to be honest with you. I think that so many people have gotten used to doing business in a digital environment that it doesn't run nearly the risk of you losing accounts due to locale. I mean... You know, our my, my friend Josh Gurley, our mutual friend Josh Gurley, 
writes business all over the country, right? I mean, part of it's because he's in a niche, but you know, he when when we were in St. Louis back at the end of January, he had gone and called on an account in Missouri, and the lady who was um, basically the gatekeeper slash partial decision maker for the decision maker just said, "Now he wants to keep everything local. Um, just just how local do you think you can be?" And Josh's answer was, "Well, I'm as local as the cell phone that's in my pocket." And I told him, I said, well, that was a nicer way to say what I would have said. I would have said, you do realize I'm sitting across from you at your desk, right? I mean, if I need to be local, I'm local. And if I don't, I don't. The fact that I'm five minutes down the road doesn't make me any smarter at insurance. And it really doesn't make me any less accessible than I'm 1,500 miles away. There's a, a small number of things that could happen that would require me to be here relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. And if any of those happen... The least of your concerns is whether or not I'm there yet, right? I mean, it's catastrophic at that point. So I think it's changed the game a little bit. But, you know, one of the things that you've done that you've adapted to as you have grown your agency is sort of a natural migration that we see with a lot of people moving upstream and going after some of that that middle market business that's you know a little bit more ripe for the picking because there's agents that are asleep behind the wheel that you know they're selling on price they don't understand the value that can be brought and all of that and you know when anybody ever asks me of somebody who's had a success story or has had success from killing commercial you're the first guy i think of i mean i don't know of anybody who has gone out and just absolutely crushed it like you have so why don't you talk a little nice. bit about what that what that's been like for you to yeah it's been really cool to tell you the truth you know um when i got into the business one thing i've been thinking about this a little more recently some conversations i had with some people people i was working with people that uh <laughs> i was gonna say were... people doug's doug's not in cardiac <laughs> arrest everything's good yeah, we're, we're okay for you. sorry about that no you're Maybe fine out of that auto audio out a little bit but um Anyway, I was thinking when I got into the biz, you know, a number of people told me, chase the low-hanging fruit. You know, these big accounts, you got to defend them every year, you know, they, they're putting this stuff out to bid, and it's a nightmare, and there's always people coming at the high-profile stuff or the big stuff, you know, just run around and chase all this little stuff. And it, and it was kind of like maybe terrible advice in a way. It, it really kind of puts you in a, a lane where you're thinking to yourself, like, you know, I'm not really at the level of these guys working on the big stuff or I'm really only suited to work on the small stuff and only a really large shop, you know, with 300 brokers, the Brown and Browns of the world or these, a large shop with many uh, uh, brokers in it is, is equipped to handle these people and in a smaller office or not. And as we all know, that really couldn't be further from the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it was about uh, last summer, not even quite a year, and, uh, you know, David and I had met, I think, out in San Diego, and we kind of had a conversation going, and and I was just really impressed by the whole Killing Commercial program, and we, it was, it was kind of funny, because we all have, I think, in an agency, so much coming at us in terms of uh, technology or services or different things to kind of grow and leverage and help you out, and it was just, when I started looking into Killing Commercial, it was just like at a different level, I was like, wow, the, the amount of kind of value here is is really at like a, a, over the top and on the flip side getting back to when I was getting into it you know I remember googling things about producer compensation or just about how it works and there was like little or nothing available online anywhere I mean you could google stuff all day long and you wouldn't really find much out there that was available to help you sort of grow or or, or, or figure out some things without getting into like a designation class or something like that so um, we dove in head first in August and got rolling, and it connected so many dots for us. There was like a lot of things in terms of the work comp lead-in and working on talking about mods that I kind of had been like a little exposed to, but I didn't really know how to speak about knowledge. So that was really where we started. And by November, you know, we had a couple really big hits, a, a produce distributor and a landscaper that... Um, you know, were two of the larger revenue accounts that we'd placed in, in any kind of recent memory. And um, and then all of a sudden we're drumming up other stuff and some of these things that would occasionally we might get referred to or something that we prospected and, and find out that it's a little bit, again, you know, a million dollar premium for workers' comp and there's a lot of things going on where in the past 
They might have only known how to go out and obtain a, uh, a proposal in the marketplace. You know, now all of a sudden we're really working a risk management function and uh, uh, talking about total cost of risk and doing mod analysis and claims analysis and other things where it just brings so much value to the client. You know, that's been the coolest thing of this whole whole thing is that I feel like we've transformed in the service we provide because we're doing so much more for the client than we maybe were before. I'll tell you, man, it's interesting because I think that you're going to find over the course of the next month, we're getting ready to go really, really deep in how to lead with cyber, right? As opposed to just the workers comp. Once you have the comp tool perfected, you know, you can put that on autopilot. You're not going to forget how to do that. I mean, it's the easiest place to start because the flipping policy is only six pages for crying out loud. I mean, you're not having to worry. Probably you're not. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you, you, it's not too hard to figure that out. And, and once you figure out the strategy and the math, I think cyber is going to open up a huge opportunity for a lot of people. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I've been happy that we've been able to partner with pro riders to give us a leg up. And I mean, one of the things we're doing with them is we can go in and take information from people who are just prospects. And with very limited information, get pricing indications and vulnerability assessments from as many of their seven carriers that are willing to provide that in a spreadsheet. But we can walk into a business that has a bad vulnerability assessment report and broach the subject right out of the box. And if they say, well, you know, we, we, we really don't have a problem with that. Well, I, I kind of beg to differ with you. Uh, there's a reason why I'm here today. Here's what, here's what your vulnerability assessment says. And by the way, if you think this is an expensive pro- problem to fix, here's some pricing indications on what an insurance policy would cost. But let's talk about all the other things that need to happen as far as making sure you're protected the right way and that uh, you don't have this exposure going forward. Because in my opinion, it's the number one exposure businesses face right now, period, is cyber. And it's the one most people dust, you know, just brush to the side. Eh, cyber, no big deal. It's not going to happen to me. Because well, mm-hmm. no one requires it, right? Or I shouldn't say that. People, you're starting to see it required a lot more. Than well, in you your state, for sure, man. But as, it, you know, as it's becoming required, it's, it's more top of mind, I think, for people. But when we started with the cyber a few years ago, you know, Fewer, it was pretty much totally elective. No, nobody was really asking for it much. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, I had a client meeting this morning, and, um, you know, it's a software company, and their clients are mostly financial institutions. And, I mean, they have some seriously robust requirements for, um, for their cyber, you know, so much so that we were examining the requirements to make sure that everything that we're looking at is going gonna, is gonna to fit the bill, you know. Um, and it's and it's interesting because it's you know there's so many products out there there's so many that are that are non admitted and you really have to dive in deep to the language to see what's what's in each one of them you know yeah no absolutely mm-hmm. and I mean even with that's one of my favorite ones right now I can't wait to use it in real time and and see how it's going to work but you know one of the things that that's a hot button in those coverage forms right now is whether those policies are pay on behalf of or reimbursement policies so you know imagine walking into a business who says oh you know no we've got that all taken care of we've got a cyber policy oh really so uh, is your ransomware on a pay on behalf of or is it a reimbursement do you know and by the way if it is a reimbursement talk to me about the digital wallet where you store all the bitcoin that you're going to have to have to pay for that ransomware because they're not going to take us dollars i'm just interested as to what the risk management strategy is around that that your agent recommended to you and boom short circuit at that point they have no clue you've got them like seeing seeing double of everything and but i mean it's a real problem man i mean I, i think that there's so much opportunity there and again, you know, I've said this probably three, I'm three for three on the last three podcasts we've done. Agents are lazy, man. They don't want to go learn it, right? It's not an easy coverage to understand. You do have to actually do your job and read coverage forms. It's not a huge amount of premium. And that's what the problem is. They're looking at it as, well, I'm not going to spend that much time on a $2,500 cyber policy. Oh, okay, good. Well, if you're not willing to spend the time on a $2,500 policy that's the gateway to 50000 in agency revenue, yeah. I'll happily step in and take that for you not a problem at mm-hmm. all right well yep. i mean as we see every day if, if you get hit and you're bare i mean the chances of you just going down the ship is sinking you know i mean you can go right out of business pretty fast um and we're at an all-time high for these attacks it'll be interesting to see if there's 
hardening in that space, you know, because for a long time, and I remember talking to some underwriters where they were like, you know, it asked about a particular coverage on a, on, a, on a cyber policy, and they'd be like, oh, you know, the carrier says they've never actually paid a claim on that coverage or something like that. Yeah. I, I think those days are, 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 are Numbered. behind us. You know? Yeah. These, these attacks are coming hot and heavy right now. Yeah, there's so many things that you can do to, to peel that back. Talk, talk a little bit about, I mean, you've, you've done some other things that really you have, I mean, you've, you've done things inside of Killing Commercial, but you've come up with some stuff on your own too, man. Yeah, I mean, part you know, of it is, have. yeah, in terms of being exposed to some of these accounts, you sort of, you sort of come up with some of your own low hanging fruit that you're looking for when you're going in. And by no means do I expect you to give the secret sauce. Cause there may be somebody in Buffalo listening to this. And all I tell them is they better be careful because Doug's fixing to get them fixing to get <laughs> their right. business. So yeah, there's some, there's some nuances to work comp in New York that, um, that you're not going to find in an NCCI state. So that's right. We were able to sort of, uh, um, you know, twist things a little bit and customize it to, to make our own approach. So, you know, in essence, New York's rate, if you're an insurer in New York doing writing workers' comp, you file, your rates are filed. So maybe if you want to have some flexibility to charge an account with a little more hair on it, a higher um, premium, there's these factors that, that, that become involved. So one thing we've been doing is looking for folks that have a high factor and a low mod. It's kind of the opposite of of uh, going in on a high mod and reworking it, and um, and that's been really working for us well. It's it's a unique approach, and it, again, I think um, so many of these people, it, it's it's no, nothing like this has ever been explained to them. Nobody's ever had a conversation with them about this different stuff. A lot of them, if you're with like a national payroll company, I can almost assure you that they are um, that they are not giving you the best the best value on this workers comp in New York. So if we, we're finding those opportunities every day and running with them. And, uh, you know, my background was mostly in contractors, trade contractors. That's what I got into this business writing. And that's what we kind of, you know, started with a phone book and, and a phone. And I don't even know if I had a computer on my desk uh, in the very <laughs> beginning. And I just dialed all day and all these notes in the margins of the phone book. And I'd take them and put them on the list. But contractors of all kinds, or my big thing, but since I got into killing, I've actually been working. Uh, we have a new market here, Selective. They've got a lot of appetite for um, social service uh, stuff, and we're trying to grow with them. Hmm. So we've been having some really good luck um, in that space, and uh, uh, it seems that there's no shortage of folks that could really use help on their comp because. Um, even a large organization, you know, they're just, nobody's paying attention to it too closely. And they, they don't even know the, the client doesn't know the questions to even ask, you know, right. so a lot of it's educating the client or the prospect and, um, and it's working really nicely for us. I think, uh, we have on deck, um, for seven, one, an account that David gave me a lot of help with, uh, through killing. And we're taking the first piece of it, which is a, which is the comp, and that's about you know twenty thousand in revenue. I think the rest will follow at renewal, but um, you know that will not only be I think our biggest account, but it will be the biggest single policy we have here in the agency. So nice. That, like, how good does that feel, right? That, yeah, absolutely. In a relatively short time, you know, in less than a year, to be actually putting those on the board is uh, is transformational. So. I got a lot of tuition to pay for all those kids, David. So you're really helping me out. <laughs> I, uh, I was, return on investment from killing commercials. Hey, I was sure. I was gonna say first round of root beer barrels is on Doug at Green Parrot next Friday. <laughs> there you go. You know it, oh man! <laughs> but I think you know it's interesting, man, because you know you think about social services and not pro nonprofits and all of that. I can honest, I can say this with 100 percent absolute certainty. I've never seen one that's clean. <laughs> no. Yeah. I have never had anybody, and I don't. I don't target that business, but I've got like five people that are in Killing Commercial that do go after that business, and when they bring it in, I'm like, 
There's a lot of money here. This thing's filthy. This this is like right up my alley. Why am I not going after this? Why am I not looking at this stuff? You know, and, and I, I, I really don't have a good answer for you, Doug. I might have to build a vertical in Florida Risk to go after that. But I mean, you know, you start looking at the things. There's no formalized claims reporting process. There's no, you know, return to work, recover at work, whatever you want to call it. There's no you know, accident investigation, incident investigation, all of the things that are, you know, always talked about with contractors and everything else. Lag time's terrible in these organizations, man. Which is interesting because they've got all these policies and procedures to deal with, you know, their, um, you know, whatever, uh, patients or participants or whatever, you know, whatever they would be called, um, you know, but they're lacking that structure internally for stuff that happens you know when they get hit or fall down or you know whatever the situation is and you know they're it's a it's a high risk industry i mean a lot of those guys come back with injuries from patients that are you know hitting them or a kid you know flips out and you know so um i just think that's interesting and there's so many tools that we have at our disposal to be able to help with that um but he's right we maybe we do need to get you know a little vertical going as far as that goes because i I can second that i don't have really i it's something that i never prospect myself you know sometimes if it comes in you kind of like oh but um you know really it's a good opportunity for us to you know showcase our value for them Absolutely. You know, I, I agree. Um, there is so much that can be done and there's so much technology now that we're all using that we can kind of share and bring that value to our clients. So there's like never been a better time to really help people out and, and, and offer that value add, you know. So um, I, I agree. I think that that space is, is ripe for help because they aren't clean accounts usually. And a lot of times folks don't really know how to straighten them out. And maybe too, like we all run into these situations where the accounts in the middle market that we're chasing, you know, I'm not chasing somebody that's got locations in like 25 right. states. Right. But, you know, um, I feel like sometimes you run into these guys that are at these really large brokers and, and they're small fish over there. You know, a smaller middle market account is a small fish there. They're, they're chasing municipalities. They're chasing uh, all kinds of uh, really large stuff or these people that are operating all over the country. And, um, and I feel like some of these accounts, they might be paying you know, $300,000 in premium, but they're still just kind of like an afterthought um, in, in, in some of these large shops. They're just not getting the attention. So it's like, you know, in an agency like ours, they're a really big fish. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can believe if they need anything. They're going to have it like, you know, in about five seconds. So, well, I think part of it too is um, they have problems, but insurance salesmen and saleswomen don't know how to fix those problems, right? Because Mm -hmm. their answer is to fix a problem by selling them insurance. They don't, they don't think about total cost of risk and all of the other things. I mean, truthfully, you know, when we sat down and looked at the one that you referenced, one of the first things that I, I mean, we just sat down. It was like, boom, 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 boom. These are the things you need to be looking for. Here's where your problems are. And it just blows my mind that an account that has that much revenue has essentially been neglected because it's not like it's difficult, man. If somebody, if I can figure out how to put the things in place and get these accounts cleaned up, anybody can do it. Like it, you know, it took me three times to get through accounting. So, you know, to be able to put in return to work, if it's easy enough for me to get that right the first time, then anybody can do it. Right. And I think the problem is, you know, people are just scared of what they don't know, right? They don't want to, number one, they don't want to operate in on faith for one thing in terms of, okay, you know, I went to continuing it. I learned this, listened to this podcast. They said, try this, this will work at the point of sale. And then they go in and then they just do everything the way they always did it. They, they don't want to take that first step where it's like, yeah, let me try something new today. Give them the old razzle dazzle on the first appointment and see what happens. And, you know, so they, they're yeah. just sort of stuck in the hamster wheel. Right. That's exactly right. They're stuck in that hamster wheel. And, you know, all of the things that they really need, they're relying on us for. You know, I feel like in a lot of ways they're not getting. So that's the shakeup, right? That's the shakeup with this whole with the whole killing thing, David, is kind of not taking that anymore and not not allowing these clients to kind of be poorly served. That's the really cool part about this all is like 
we're succeeding, we're growing our business, and we're doing really well. But it's not just like a trick to sell more. It's 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 a value add that you're bringing to the client in a way that um, you know very few other people are doing, and it's what the client deserves. And, and your so business becomes stickier at that point too. Mm-hmm. Right. Now it's not a bit all rainbows yeah. and unicorns, yeah. I'm sure. What you know, as you've opened the agency up there and you've you've made this transition, what are what's something that you've been frustrated by in the process? Mm. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you something. The, the one thing I guess I would say that we're thinking about a little more as we're getting. Uh, bigger is, you know, when you start out, you're just kind of trying to get as many fish in the boat as you can. You don't really care what it is. It's like a win is a win. And then you kind of get a little bigger and you look back and you say, hey, in terms of our systems and our processes, um, you know, what are we doing here? So I guess that's been something, I don't know if I necessarily call it a frustration, but it's something that I'm, I'm uh, uh, focusing a little more on now is just trying to as we grow, you know, not be the only person that can do something or, you know, uh, have to field something from the client because they're not maybe set up to talk to somebody else or, or what have you. So, um, you know, an example is like we just set up a certificates at email address for our agency because a lot of them before they would just come to me and I would forward them uh, to Louise usually. But um, uh, so some of that stuff, just formalizing some of that stuff. What what are the duties of this role and, and things like that? It's kind of I think been the growing pain a little bit that we're that we're at now. Definitely been there, done that before, man. I mean, it's tough when you're out bringing in business and then having to figure out how to handle operations and do everything all at the same time. Plus, you know, balance family life with that and everything else. I mean, none of us came to this job because we wanted to be captive to the occupation. You know, we, we kind of wanted a lifestyle that'll go with it. And I think that there's a way that you can have all of it, right? You can have the good residual income, a good book of business, but still have the flexibility in your schedule to go out and spend time with your family and watch your kids, um, you know, participate in their extracurricular activities and all of that. I mean, that's the the main reason that I was attracted to the industry, you know, otherwise I'd still be slinging pork and beans on aisle six. (laughs) <laughs> that, that was what really attracted me to it too and it's interesting being back in a career you know where I was traveling a lot and uh, you know if there was you know an assignment that you were to cover on Christmas Day I remember shooting world junior hockey on Christmas Day and uh, trying to have Christmas you know with family in between um, in between hockey games so you know, NBA plays on Christmas, mm-hmm. football on Thanksgiving. So it's like when you have a family, uh, that kind of stuff gets old really fast. So the nine to five was what was was one of the things that I kind of loved about this business. But then, like you say, you get to a point where it's like you have to really carve that out, or you're you know it's easy to become a workaholic. I suppose you might say about it. You know, never never put down the pen. So that's that. So that's interesting, though. It, it, uh, you know, photography obviously a really creative, you know, um, task in general. Did any of that translate over to the insurance world and help you look at things differently? You know, give you a different perspective, maybe using a different part of your brain that I don't have. I bet his loss control reports are ridiculous. The, the photographic yeah. quality of out of exterior <laughs> buildings is fantastic. Yeah. I wonder about that. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I I try to bring you know we we always all try to be creative when we're when we're looking at a risk and figuring out how to solve a problem. Um, I will tell you that I, I am a little bit of a, a, a stickler on the aesthetic of things sometimes, how, how things look, and um, uh, you know some of the folks that work with me probably. Oh, I get notes from him. Real. I'm not even going to pretend like he doesn't send me criticism on email. You know, he'll say. Like marketing stuff? or He's like, you ought to adjust your light yeah. a little bit more this way or do this or do that. I mean, I've gotten those emails. <laughs> You're getting a little reflection in your glass. Yeah. <laughs> you notice it's not there too, don't you? It's not there too, is it? Yeah, yeah uh, but it's funny, man. I, as soon as you asked that question, Kyle, I like pictured Doug walking in to the lobby of a new business appointment with one of those cameras that's got a lens so big it has to have its own tripod yeah. for the lens it just <laughs> like it's like this long and like that big around oh, man. insane when i was starting when i was starting out in this business and i was still kind of wearing both hats for a little bit i would i would like you know be at a buffalo sabers hockey game and you know you shoot you shoot through the glass down down next to the bench or in, in the corner and uh 
you know, I'd be like bumping into some client that I just left their office in the morning or something. And here I'm like <laughs> at the end of the first period. I'm like chucking through the hall, trying to uh, trying to get back and file my photos, get them out on the wire before the second period. Starts, That's funny. You know? like, what are you doing here? Like, eh. <laughs> a little hobby of mine. Thankfully, <laughs> it wasn't for too long. Too terribly long. So you bring up family, okay. and you know you've got family. Your wife's in the agency with you to some degree, isn't she? She is, yeah. So Liz, um, Liz handles a, a lot of the personal lines, new business, and um, and she that works out great, really, because uh, you know I'm able to sort of focus on the commercial, and um, and uh, you know Liz runs um, proposals uh, for personal lines that's incoming, and, and is really good at that. So that's another funny thing. I mean, she she was never really into. Uh, She's kind of an artist, really herself. You know, she she's very creative in her own right, and um, yeah, she really is awesome. And I'm a lucky guy. She she kind of picked up the picked up the ball and ran with it in this when when we did it. So uh, um, we we had a conversation very early on, David, with Hanley, and he was talking about how uh, his wife um, in, in her family agency handles the personal lines. And I just kind of remember that I seeing this light bulb go off. And all of a sudden, Liz was uh, saying, you know, I bet I could try to take that, you know, off the plate. So that's been an awesome uh, way to work. It's kind of interesting working with your spouse. Good for you guys, man. Uh, <laughs> well, she's not, she's not here all day. Uh, she's not here 40 hours a week. So she kind of pops in and out and grabs her laptop. So it's not like we're really shoulder-to-shoulder uh, -shoulder all day and all night. Right. But, uh, it works out. It works out okay. We're all we're, – we're all – Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. We've tossed around the idea before, and I don't, I don't know how that would work. I mean, I think that my wife, number one, would be an absolutely stellar producer. Um, I just don't know. Sure. You know, and, and yours already that, is. That's not where the that's not where the issue would be. No, no. I mean, your your wife already is. I mean, that's proven based on what right. she does. It's just, yeah, I can't imagine either. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. That would not be the issue. What, what kind? What would be the issue? Since we're I'm not, nope, we're not doing this. Oh, it looks like we're coming up on an hour here. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's so funny, man. I mean, it, we've talked about it, and I'm even going through it right now with my oldest son. You know, he's he's expressing an interest, and I'm letting him just deal with it on his terms right like is he dude so i've got to i've got to jump in here every time there is any type of insurance commercial on the tv nash whips around and like especially like the liberty commercials like like with the emu and doug it's like as soon as those he like and it could be anything like jill scott's doing this nationwide commercial now and like she starts singing and he whips around i'm like <laughs> dude He's money. In He's his blood. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's too funny, man. <laughs> it's like nothing else. It's only the only the insurance commercials. That's funny. It's weird. Yeah, yeah that's funny, David. That's interesting. You know, I I sometimes kind of bat around the idea about like what I think about one of uh, you know my kids wanting to follow me into the business. And, and, and one side of the coin, it's very cool. And the other side of the coin, it's like I don't know. You sort of want them to find their own way a little bit. Maybe there's a way to do both, you know. Maybe I think if somebody, you know, my oldest, uh, 17, she's graduating from high school today, right? Following up, uh, following behind David here pretty closely with the oldest uh, graduating from high school. But um, I almost wonder if I would say, like, why don't you go work for a company for a couple of years? You know, go move to New York and work for uh, or wherever. Work, go work for Hartford for two years, come back or something like that. You know, push them in a little bit of a well, I think it's different if they just kind of come in with the expectation like, oh, this is, you know, daddy's business and I'm just going to take it over one day. And so I don't really have to work hard or figure out anything on my own versus if they're just like, okay, I could see how this, would, you know, I, I've seen the success that my dad's had and I want that for my family and I want to figure out how to, how to do that. And, um, I, so I think those are two different things, but it, it can very easily be, um, you know, crossed up. 
No, I agree. And I mean, that's one of the reasons, I mean, Grayson's working at Publix right now and I've told him, you know, he's, he's started out as a bagger. Then he got a, moved up to being a cashier. Then he got to be responsible for like six self checkout lanes. Then he got moved into grocery and, and he asked me, what mm-hmm. do you think I should do? I said, well, it seems to me like things are working out pretty good for you right now, man. I mean, you've, you've gotten how many pay raises and you've just now celebrated your one year anniversary. Yeah. You've got increasing responsibility. Yeah. They're clocking you at 37, 38 hours a week. At some point, they're going to tell you you need to go full time because you're averaging too many hours. And I said, I'd ride that train as long as you can, because truthfully, I don't know that I would be able to do what I do in a production capacity if I wouldn't have spent the time that I spent in the grocery industry because I had to learn how to deal with people at their absolute worst. Like there is nothing mm-hmm. worse than dealing with an upset customer and I restaurants. Yeah, yeah all that. Right. Grocery, yeah. restaurant, retail yeah. and I prided myself on that. I prided myself on taking a negative situation and flipping it into a raving fan. I was probably better at that than anything else else in in my career doing that uh the other thing is that you know when i was in the grocery industry they wanted to give me a store for about a year before i actually took one and the reason why was because i didn't want to be responsible for the bakery if i didn't understand the process around baking the bread and frying the donuts and converting that bread into croutons after it had hit shelf life and the same thing in the deli you know and understanding because when you run an operation like that understanding how to manage perishable inventory and all of that is paramount to your success and so it just gave me really good foundational business sense it made me understand human resources Resources and you're not dealing with you know fifty sixty thousand dollar a year people. We were hiring people at five and a quarter when that was minimum wage. I think we were giving them five and a quarter and minimum wage was four seventy five. And you had to learn how to motivate those people. And you know mm-hmm. it, it gave me a lot of skills that I was forced to learn that I do feel like have immediately translated into my ability to succeed in relating to people in commercial insurance. So that's a long way for me saying, I think my son's exactly where he needs to be. If he wants to come work at the agency, he's always welcome to come and work at the agency, but he, he doesn't inherit the keys to the kingdom on day one. You know, he, he understands that he is going to have to learn pretty much every desk in the, in the agency. I didn't. And I, I want him to be better than me, right? I don't want right. him to come in and be as good or worse. I want I want to set him up to be better than what I am. And I think that the only way he's going to be able to do that is to to work a few different jobs inside the agency. So right now he comes in on his off days to pick up some extra pocket change. And we have him working with... Um, you know, the lead research that we're doing that we're putting in and having our telemarketer call, he'll come in and do the basic research and work inside of the CRM and put the notes in there and transfer everything over. And, you know, I'm just waiting to see how long he sticks with that before he gets bored, because I know that he'll get bored at some point. And I want to see how he handles it when he does get bored. Is he going to complain about it? Or is he going to come and say, Hey, I feel like I got a good handle on this. What's something else I can learn? Cause I want to keep learning more you know, that'll tell me where his head is. But, you know, to Kyle's point, you know, Grayson's thought process, I don't believe is that he's going to come in and inherit daddy's business. His thought process is dad drives pretty nice car, can pretty much buy whatever he wants. We go on nice vacations. I want to do that too. So let me go see what this is all about. Cause I don't know that I'm going to get there doing something else. The other thing is, you know, I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but he understands too. You can make a pretty good living not having to kill yourself, right? Like you don't, you don't have to break your back. Now I'm, I'm wired that I'm going to go 90 to nothing all the time, but let's face it. You, you don't have to, I mean, you can get to a point where enough is enough and you're satisfied and you know, any, any money's not going to matter anymore. I know we're taking those people's accounts yeah, every day. Right. right. Just about to so say definitely uh, the majority of the, uh, the folks out there, that's, uh, that's kind of what they're doing. Yeah. One thing I just want to touch on that you mentioned a little bit back to like learning how to deal with people. You know, I feel like that is such an important role that we play sometimes, you know, trying to focus on the positive in a tough situation. I had a client yesterday that's being sued and they're freaking out. And it's like, you know, how do you kind of talk them off? You know, they're asking me all these questions mm-hmm. about what's going to happen if they rule. 
you know, on one one, and I have no idea. And um, and you know, they kind of screwed up. They didn't follow their own procedure. A client got injured, and um, uh, you know, they're kind of indignant about the fact that it really wasn't their fault. You know, so I'm not going to turn it around, and point it at them, and say like, you know, oh yeah, it is, but. You know, there's ways to sort of focus on the positive. I always kind of think if somebody calls me up on a Monday morning, and, oh, my God, Doug, you're never going to believe this terrible thing. I got a DWI over the weekend. It's like, I'm like, oh, did you hit anybody? No. Did you crash into anything? No. Okay, well, you got some good news. So it's 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 how do you frame it? And, and, and people are like, oh, okay. Well, it's like, you know, you're not freaked out. Well, maybe I shouldn't be freaked out. Mm-hmm. So it's talking people off the ledge a little bit is, is, is a big role in, in this business and you know how how you do that i think is, is related to your success you know i agree yeah i mean again the other thing is i don't think we push right i mean if it, it's not like i'm browbeating him saying no this is what you're going to do because this is what i've done and this is what i want you to do i want i want him All to right. come to the conclusion on his own and i've been pretty transparent about the fact that if if this isn't what you want to do okay that's fine i'm gonna support you any mm-hmm. way you look at it. it doesn't matter to me i mean i'm gonna support you from key west but it, i mean it's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you know we all we all see that or go into clients or know people like where you know the People are just sitting there with waiting for their father or mother to die or something so they can take over. I know a guy who's got to be like 63, 64. His dad still comes into the office and he's he's waiting for his father to retire so he can take over take over the agency. And uh, you know I'm thinking like you're ready to you're about ready to retire yeah. yourself, <laughs> but like you know father still owns it and drags himself in there every day and it's like you know that, that's that's not the way to look at it. I, I think on the flip side, what I love to see is where a second generation gets involved in the business and they just bring so much energy and creativity to kind of trying to grow things in a different direction. And they, they, they just kind of have that human capital that's that's with, with some sense of ownership that's like, hey, let's take this to the next level. Let's do this cool thing. Mm-hmm. That's always awesome when you see that. You well, know? you know, it's interesting because in the middle market, what I've actually seen is that you'll get I've seen the third generation be the one that really pushes the ball. What I've seen in and this has happened across like probably six or seven different companies that I've been in where the the original founders handed down to the second generation second generation keep it stagnant, maintain the status quo or regress a little bit but then the third generation comes in and they're like full of piss and vinegar and the next thing you know they're taking it to a whole different level and that's that's a weird dynamic man i don't know that you know if if i'm around i can't imagine letting something that i built slip under the leadership of of a second generation uh you know i don't obviously don't want to micromanage but at the same time you know there's a lot of blood sweat and tears there's a difference there's a difference between micromanaging that and, and just letting something get out of control to where it's not even close to what you built. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I mean, that's why. I think a lot of that comes back to mindset. Yeah, I think, I think a lot mm-hmm. of it has to do with the fact, you know, that I'll, I'll always just have my eye on it. Even even if I'm out, I'll still be watching. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't think anybody that's ever built a business from the ground up would be any different. Like a lot of us can say, nope, when I'm done, I'm out. I'm going to wash my hands and be gone. Nah, I don't think you will be there, Sparky. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. No. I agree. It's part of you. It's part of who you are, you know, especially if you kind of hang on to it and you're talking about bringing your family into it. It's like it's kind of part of your DNA. If that's Legacy. So here's my question, yeah. man, real quick, I, I because agree. I know you got graduation yeah. and we're coming up on four o'clock and I want to be respectful of your time. What's one piece of advice okay. you would give to anybody who's out there that's a producer that's maybe just sort of trudging along and, you know, they've been in the business for a few years, but their book hasn't really done anything amazing. You know, that, you know, what would you, what piece of advice would you give them to, to sort of pick it up and take it to the next level. And, and this is not a plug for killing commercial. I, I want serious advice. Everybody knows how they can find me. I, I'm interested in, in what you're, I mean, cause yeah. I, I respect your opinion. You you're like me, man, you did something different. You came in, you found a way to make yourself successful. And I think a lot of people can learn from that. So where do you think you start? 
be confident. You know, that's kind of like my my thought. I think that if you can um, if you can approach what you're trying to do with some confidence and just know that you can be successful at it, I think that carries you a long way. I think that it's really easy to second guess in this business to look at other brokers who are who are doing a good job on an account maybe, and you're trying to do a better job and win it, and think like, oh, you know, I shouldn't even try here. I'm going to be outgunned. So just kind of approach it with confidence. Be confident in the knowledge that you have. You know, always be learning more. Always be developing yourself. Always be improving. But, um, but you know, confidently attack these accounts because, you know, other people are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if you want to win them, that's what you got to do. Sage go. advice from a man who obviously buys his ties at Brooks Brothers. There's no doubt in my mind <laughs> with that rep tie. What time's graduation tonight, man? Oh, man. Good deal. Well, listen, go go have fun with the family. Wrap up your day. I appreciate you spending time with us today. Always good to have a conversation. I need you to get that house in order so that you're able to hit the plane and be in paradise on time next week, man. We're going to have a blast. And by the way, probably should go ahead and give a shout out to Uh, my brother-in-law, Matt, who's listening to this one, you know, wondering if we're going to mention him because he listens to the podcast and he is a massive massive Doug Benz fan. I'll just go ahead and throw that out there. Oh, that's nice. I'm a big, I'm a, we're, we're a big Matt and Allison <laughs> fans uh, too. So uh, anybody that can kind of like uh, party a little harder than me, you know, Matt, Matt and Allison are like bar closers. They're, they're uh, our kind of people. They go hard to the end. There so you go. I, I think we're going to have uh, another uh, fun Well, listen, I literally had to hear about it the next morning be because I already great. knew with Matt and Allison. I'm like, eh, Doug and Liz can hang with them tonight. I'm out. I'm going to bed. It's 7 o'clock. <laughs> oh man it's gonna be a good one i'm really pumped up i think that uh, man the synergy and and uh just you know again david you talked about that boston meeting and amazing what has come out of that for us just these conversations that have been uh transformational and some of the stuff we've done and i, I think that this is going to be another very expansive uh weekend in key west where we where we just come away with it and we're like wow yep. like we did last time so Nice. I, I can't wait to see you and Annie down there. It's going to be great. Kyle, are you going to be there? I'm not. not. I'll have to catch you guys yeah, next time. Kyle is not able to go because he doesn't leave his house in many days. So he's definitely he's definitely coming for the next one. He has no choice. It'll be mandatory. Uh, we'll toast you, Kyle. I promise. We're going to raise a we drink might even Kyle stream it. Green Let's do it. I'll I'll join you there virtually. You go. Sounds good. All right, man. Congrats to your family. You y'all go. y'all enjoy graduation tonight, and we'll catch you soon. Thank you. Sweet. All right. Thanks, David. Thanks, Kyle. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes. And our website, killingcommercial.com.